Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yeah. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many yeah, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right, folks. Welcome back to the latest Mountain Swire football podcast. Week 10 preview. Part two, mwire.com is where the websites um, where we publish the podcast, written work, how to watch, quarterback rankings, soon to be posted today, I should say, joined by Matt. Uh, so how you doing? I think we made a good call splitting this up this week. I Fun. think so too. You know, we would have been uh, pretty close to burning the midnight oil yesterday, but we're back. It is Thursday morning. You know, some of the games from our last podcast are kicking off later this afternoon. Uh, full slate ahead of us. It's looking good. Yeah, we got. Uh, we're gonna do our three Saturday games. Saturday plays out nice too. Three games, nine thirty. Well, else do um, whatever. Eleven thirty Eastern time, nine thirty local time for Air Force versus Army. Fresno UNLV is a lunchtime kickoff at Allegiant Stadium, and then the night kick, not extremely late Hawaii kick, but still late. Um, what is it? Five o'clock local time. I think it is there. They're gonna play. I believe it's uh, six p.m. local. Does Hawaii do daylight saving time or no? I honestly don't know off the top of my head. But either way, first instance where where the Warriors are going to be taking us deep into the night this year. So, America, you are welcome. You're welcome. Currently, it is three hours for me right now, recording 11.36 Mountain Time, 8.36. So, for me, yeah, it's a 6 p.m. kickoff. So, you're correct on that. So, I think that's what it is because they do the midnight Eastern kicks up until usually this time. There's a couple games that go earlier. But Mm -hmm. neither here nor there. We're getting to the games. Air Force, Army. We should know you spotted this on Google News. So where did you find this morning on this game, Matt? That um, we're a little confused at the moment. <laughs> yeah, so I was, you know, I was finalizing preparations for this podcast and and looking through Google News, I noted that there was a, a link to an article from the Colorado Springs Gazette that had noted that the game had been called off because of COVID nineteen concerns and. All I really saw was the headline because uh, when I click the URL, it's I believe it's still there. It might still be there by the time this is out. Um, you screenshotted the, uh, it, though. Yeah, I screenshotted it. The article wasn't there. So my guess is that it was perhaps published inadvertently. But, you know, it's no secret that Air Force has been wrestling with some COVID protocols, not necessarily infections, but players missing time with, you know, contact tracing protocols, things like that. So... 
As of right now, it's 10.38 in the morning on Thursday in California where I am. Uh, the game is still set to be on. Um, other people in our mentions on Twitter are saying that they've heard similar kinds of rumors. So we're going to presume that the game is happening. But you know, between now and Saturday morning, that could change. You don't really know. Exactly. We'll see because it is an early kick. It's a CBS kickoff, 9.30. Actually, local. hold on just a second. Oh, wait. Breaking news? I'm, just, I'm checking. Yeah, somebody screenshotted it. And uh, shout out to Patrick underscore Saxby on Twitter. Uh, I don't know if it's the same article or not, uh, but it looks like the game is off. Where, wait, where is this coming from? I'm checking right now. From the Colorado Springs Gazette. Oh, so it is off. So... That'd make this podcast a lot shorter. And <laughs> good thing we waited till today and me attempts del- to reach Air Force officials for confirmation were not successful. What a shocker. <laughs> well, wait, you're telling me the Colorado the United States Air Force Academy football team who didn't have a defensive coordinator leading into media days is keeping a secret from people? You're telling me that's the case, Matt? <laughs> I I think so. Yeah, cuz they uh, they sourced a tweet from an Air Force player, Gary Mossop Jr., where he said Welp, no football this weekend for us. Damn, that tweet was deleted. Oh. Somebody caught it. You want to and, tweet, that, tweet that from our account, would you, by the way, Matt? Would you get a chance? Yeah, and, and previous reports had noted that, I guess, seven different players were not expected to be available because of those same protocols that we've talked about previously. Mm-hmm. You know, we had mentioned that both Nolan Laufenberg and Kyle Kreps, you know, two offensive linemen, missed the game against San Jose State a couple weeks ago. Um so I mean, it was something that's it's an ongoing process that the that the program is is working through. Um, so I guess we'll see if they reschedule. Um, I guess there is some talk that they might reschedule for December nineteenth. You know, after the Army Navy game and before the Independence Bowl, which Army is already slotted to play with play in. What's the date of that? Because bold games have been set for dates, right? Yeah. So Army Navy is December twelfth at uh, West the, Point. Yeah, the uh, the Independence Bowl is on December 26th, and so I think they're slow, they're, hmm. they're looking at December 19th. We'll see if that's still the case. Um, yeah, that's what we've got right now. All right. Um, all right, so they'll be on our Twitter account, MWCR. I will feverishly work on a post after we're done with this because I'm not going to type your right because I don't want to be distracted. So speaking of this game, like just kind of, Big picture thing. This does not impact one thing we mentioned before early on in the uh, whatever. With the, remember, there's the game calculations to be eligible for a conference championship game. Mm-hmm. Like the Mountain West had something where I don't. I wrote it somewhere. I don't have it in front of me, so I'm gonna butcher the numbers. But basically, the more games you miss, you're gonna. Either, it's either going to lower. It's gonna lower the threshold overall for the Mountain West to have a title game with. Uh, thank you for the screenshot, Matt. It's right there in front of me. Um, but. Basically, the more games you miss as a league as whole, you have to play a certain number of games. Because when we started, it was at six, which Air Force was playing. This Army game doesn't go toward that, just so you know, because it's obviously not a conference game. So if there's more games missed, you you may, like, um, like it impacts really, not this game, but Air Force, Boise, San Diego State, because they mm-hmm. all play at least one non-conference game. And so just keep an eye out for that one. It's like Wisconsin to Big Ten. I think they have to play five games. They're already missing two. So if they miss one more, they can't participate in the Big Big Ten title game. So it's okay, like if so like Air can Force. I pause, can I interrupt for just a moment? Because apparently for. these were screenshots of the article before they was taken uh, down. <laughs> so maybe we should talk a little bit about the game. Let's do it anyway. It's going to happen. Guess what? If it happens or not, we got you covered, right? We don't want to get out of here. So that's true. We don't. We don't want to let our Falcons fans out there. Exactly. Down. We got our buddy Sean. His 
doing his work on us as well. So he's probably pulling his hair like, what the heck is going on here? So it's all that type of stuff. So yeah, um, Source told the Gazette. But the tweet is legit though, right? The one that was screenshotted? Um, th- yeah, I mean, I would presume that he took screenshots of the article before it was taken down because I, it, when I saw it, it had been about an hour. Yeah, that's what your screenshot showed, an hour. And that was probably about, what, 10 Pacific time or so? Something like that, yeah. Okay. So we'll we'll just preview the game as it's happening. If it doesn't, well, whatever. We're going to talk about it. So it, I, I I don't know. if I, guess, I don't want to guess if it would be canceled or not. But it seems like there's a handful of people looking into it. So if I were to put a gut check on what's going to happen, I, here's the thing, really quick. If they're traveling, 9.30 local time for the game. We're sitting here Thursday. I guess they're leaving today. So if it's mm. good, if it's going to not be played, Air Force isn't going to show up down because clearly they can't. They probably don't want to show up Friday unless they leave first thing Friday morning. They're probably leaving tonight, like on a red eye flight possibly or something. Maybe not that, but they're leaving. We'll know tonight because they're probably honestly leaving Friday morning to get there. Like mm. most teams get there about twenty four hours beforehand. COVID could be a bit different. They may shrink that time frame. So I'm betting they're leaving Friday morning. They're working to confirm. We'll know something Thursday evening. But Matt, let's proceed as if the game's being played. But I would say, I would lean more lean more toward it not play than play right now. Probably, and like I said, I don't think it has to do with actual infections as much as personnel losses because of the protocols that are in place. Yeah, it could be contact tracing where like certain groups are like Army's already missed one game versus BYU, and I don't. Mm-hmm. I think that was a both sides issue because I remember when BYU traveled back from Navy. They had a couple players test positive. They did a rapid test on their way out on Labor Day night. And their game the following week, or yeah, I think it was the next week, actually, Army was postponed. or As of right now, probably canceled, it seems likely, especially if this Air Force game doesn't go down. Mm-hmm. Um, was this the only other Army game that's been co- – I know Navy has a game postponed. Is yeah, as far as I can recall, this BYU, Army right? hasn't had any games postponed. Just a BYU game and possibly this one? Yeah, I think so. Okay. All right, so let's get to the game that's going to happen. So it's – we're not going to come back if it happens, blah, blah, blah. 9.30 local time, CBS. Again, if this game is canceled, I'll say it one last time here. It's on freaking CBS, the first game of the day by half an hour. Mm-hmm. Everybody's going to be watching this game until other games get going at noon. So it's a six-point favor for Army. Air Force is not ideally great this year. One and two on the year. Army is a solid six and one. Are they ranked at the moment? They are uh, not. They're receiving votes. I think they're in like the, the high 30s. Okay. But no, they're not in the top 25 as of yet. I thought they are ranked at some point. But regardless, they're a good team. They have just a singular loss in the year, 6-1. So do we know anything about Air Force's quarterback situation? Because Ezekiel Daniels didn't finish out the game last week. So according to the most recent reports from Brett Brigman of the Colorado Springs Gazette, um, I guess he was knocked out of the game last week against Boise State with a shoulder injury. Mm-hmm. They did give him clearance, uh, at least according to the broadcast, that he was good to come back into that game. Um, but, of course, Wyatt Bryant, Warren Bryan excuse me, mm-hmm. ended up seeing most of the playing time from there on out. So I have to assume that you, know, you, can, you can only glean so much from the, from the Air Force depth chart, but he is listed as the starter, Daniel is. And so I, I would assume that you were probably going to see him get the start under center if he's 100%, you know, if he had practice throughout all the week. Yeah, I remember listening to the radio broadcast because out and about, and I'm like, oh, why is Daniel not playing? Because I looked at, like, my phone before I took off driving. I'm like, oh, he only had no passes, I think, and only a handful of carries. Listening mm-hmm. to, like, Jesse Kurtz and the other guy in the Air Force broadcast, they mentioned Daniels. I didn't hear – they said he was just 
not all they said was he's not in the game, but they said he has his helmet in hand, so I assumed injury was why. Mm-hmm. So you're right. It seems like from my radio experience broadcast hearing in your TV that, it, well, he was he could have returned if needed, but what's the point when they're playing a game and how the outcome is going? It's like just – yeah, and I think you know more important than, than the quarterback situation is the fact that they're also getting other guys back on the offense as well, like Timothy Jackson, who missed last week with injuries of his own. He's slated to be back in the starting lineup at fullback. Nicholas Noy in the center, um, you know, underrated with the guys around him on that offensive line, but uh, he's, I believe, set to be back. And so now all of a sudden, you know, other than Caden Remsburg, who's still going to miss at least a couple more weeks, probably with his own injuries. The offense is as close to full strength as it has been since the Navy game. And so I think if you're an Air Force fan, you can be encouraged by that because I think both quarterbacks have shown to this point that they're capable of running the offense. You know, last week against Boise State, I don't know if I would say that the offense was the problem because they still, what, averaged like six yards per play? They got 30 on points. The ground or something like that. Yeah. And they scored 30 points. I think they, what, they ran for 415 yards or something like that. Mm-hmm. And, and even though the result didn't necessarily go their way, it's really hard to blame that on the offense. Yeah, they, they averaged 6.3 yards per play. They scored four times on the ground. I don't think you're going to get any complaints, you know, regardless of whether it's Daniels or Brian, you know, running the whole thing. To me, the bigger question is. The oh, defense. wait, hold on. More breaking news. Okay. Link from Bre- Gazette's Colorado Spring Gazette. Is it live? Is it live? It is live. Game is called off due to COVID outbreak for Falcons. COVID outbreak. All right. It does have the one hour ago marking as well. So, what the? What's going on? Hey, I love this because we're doing. This is like if I. This is like me doing a radio show. Like during COVID nineteen, Rudy Gobert gets a pot test positive. What's going on? We're scrambling, looking for news, calling people, texting people, tweeting people. But as of right now, so the game has been officially well. Let's go ahead and read the article just to make sure, man. Not word for word, but let me give a quick. Uh, uh, let's gra- do it. Guess what? I've reached my limit of articles from the Colorado Spring Gazette. Oh, no. <laughs> Incognito window ASAP. <laughs> um, it, I believe it was basically the same thing. Let me go through real quick. Um, now this is boring, but this would have been – obviously, we'll see if this game gets postponed. Um, it does yeah, have the, the big difference now is they're saying because of a COVID outbreak, so it may yeah. not necessarily just be about the protocols anymore. They're they're wrestling with the disease. Same thing. Attempts to reach Air Force officials were not successful. Blah, obvious. Uh, they do have. They mentioned Gary Mossop Jr. tweet Thursday. Well, no football this weekend. Tweet deleted. Um, like you mentioned, seven Air Force players were not expected to be available. Not necessarily because of test positive COVID, but as contract tracing. And um, I do not want to. I want to. I do not want to subscribe for unlimited access. Click box. Click box. Back to the article. Um, Air Force and Army don't have any common opponent dates remaining on schedule unless you mention December nineteenth, and they want to get that in between the Navy and bowl game. Um, they were ex- expected to travel Thursday, a day earlier than most road trips, just because of the early time. So they're probably leaving like now, early, early mm-hmm. late. At, Early afternoon, late morning, because it's 11.50 Mountain Time right now. So that game is officially left to books. So if you're Army, you clearly want to play that because BYU's trying to get Army back on the schedule. Air Force, or excuse me, Air Force takes priority over BYU, even though BYU's a ranked team, probably more national pub, but these CIC games are more important than anything. Mm-hmm. Partic- particularly yeah, Army, I mean, yeah, especially with the academies, we have to keep in mind is like their responsibilities are to the country you know, too. <laughs> they're much more important than, than the average football program, and so I think you know their their calculus for playing or not playing is 
probably a little different than it would be for a lot of teams. And so, bummer. Yeah, so... I was you, really looking forward to rolling out of bed and watching college football. I know, even earlier than normal, right? Yeah, exactly. So, with this game here, how would you think it would have played out? Let's kind of give like a little hypothetical to give a little taste of what could have happened. I like what you're saying. They're getting all these players back. Again, here's the thing with the opponents they played. Boise, much better. Um, Navy, or... Um, Wait, yeah, Navy they won't. Sorry, I tried to think back. Like, when was that game again? <laughs> weeks weeks ago? It was about a month ago. Yeah, it's like, point. I'm trying to think. Like, wait, week one was last week? No, they played before. If they're at full strength, I think I would have given Air Force a pretty good chance to win the game. I don't think I would have picked them outright to win, but I think it would have been easily six points. They could have covered that. And you're getting, I know they're missing, who are they missing? Just Kane and Remsburg, but they're getting Tim Jackson back. Like, mm-hmm. I wonder, I think that would have been enough. And our, here's the thing, too. Army doesn't throw enough to to beat that second or that's not great. They probably would have had a couple big plays downfield, maybe throw it a bit more than normal, but I don't know if they would have been able to throw enough to really take advantage of that second or that's not great. But I still would have leaned Army, but it would have been a nail-biter. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it really would have come down to whether or not the defense, the Falcons' defense, rather, would have been able to rebound from what they did last week against the Broncos because, mm-hmm. like I mentioned a minute ago, the offense wasn't really the problem. It was the fact that they gave up over nine yards of play and I think against yeah, an not good. army, against an <laughs> army offense that has been, it's been pretty good this year. I think they're they're averaging 5.2 yards per carry on the ground, which is, you know, it's a big improvement on where they were a year ago. It's 5.35, excuse me. Um, you know, they had a true freshman in the in the backfield, Tyrell Robinson, who's really been uh, a star for them in the early going. Only 38 carries, but he's averaging eight and a half yards per carry. Um. But, you know, I think they ran into the same kinds of questions coming into this one that, as we talked about with BYU in the last podcast, it's really hard to tell just how good they are, mostly because of who they've played. Because, you know, when you look at the splits, on a per-carry basis, they've been better on the ground against FBS teams than FCS teams. Mm -hmm. And as a reminder, the Black Knights have played three FCS teams to this point. Yeah. But of the four FBS teams that they've played, you know, you look at who they've actually played, Cincinnati was able to hold them in check. Uh, As you might expect, the the Bearcats do have a pretty good defense. Mm -hmm. But the other three teams are Middle Tennessee State, Louisiana Monroe, and UTSA. You know, none of those three teams, at least by the advanced metrics, have really lit the world on fire or anything like that. And so, you know, even though Air Force, I think, was probably going to be without a couple of their defenders in the middle, um, Brigham had noted they were probably going to be without Noah Bush and Will Trollick, the inside linebackers. Yeah. You know, especially if Army wanted to attack up the gut, you know, if they wanted to lean on their their own fullback dive and, and really test the interior of that Falcons defense. So you mean their normal offense fullback dive for Army? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it seems, like it seems like their tailbacks have been tending to get more action more often than not. But I think that, you know, they might have been willing to switch that up, it, you know, if they had felt like they had an advantage in doing that. And so how Air Force would have responded to that, I think, would have really made the game one way or another. So what do you think the result would be? I think it would have been Army in a close one, but Air Force would have a chance to win. But I just think Army's a touch better. Yeah, I mean, Army was favored by both SP Plus and FEI, um, a little more so by by Bill Connolly's metric than by Brian Fremo's. Um, but I honestly think that Air Force, you know, because of what we've seen from their offense, especially over the first few weeks, 
you know, I would have liked their chances to, you know, do some damage against an air, an army defense that's been solid. But again, you know, I think there would have remained that question of how good are they really when it comes to defending the run, especially. And so I, I'm like you, I would have seen a close game, but I think I would have, I would have come out in favor of the Falcons coming away with it. You would have? Hmm. I think I would have. Yeah. I, I see. I can see it. I can see it too. I get the playing the FCS opponents, which is uh, tricky to calculate how good or not good Army is. I just hmm. like I know the Boise Boise State game how superior talent they are to Arm, or, excuse me Air Force overall, but <sighs> these games are always pretty close. And I still would think Army would still find a way to move the ball. I just think being at home, just I know the travel thing more importantly because of the early kick time, and Army's not a bad team. They're still six and one. But I would have leaned a slight edge to Army, but it would have been within those six points. Mm-hmm. And no shock if Air Force would have gotten the victory either. Yeah. All right, so next game. So, well, whatever. You get to sleep in, I guess, if that's your thing for college football. I mean, I'm going to be up at like 5 a.m. anyway. That's you, just how I roll these days. What Really quick, what do you feel about USC Arizona State 9 a.m. local time? I mean, I'll, I'll watch it. No, I know. mean, just for them playing 9 a.m. local time. That's the kick. I'm in, time, I'm in favor of it. I think I've said this before that if the Mountain West ever had earlier kick times, I'd be all for it. They used to have 10 a.m. kick times in the late whack early Mountain West. I remember watching Utah Air Force game 10 a.m. in a foggish type snowstorm, and then the sun breaks out after halftime. It <laughs> might be a controversial take, but I am all for it. I like it. Just not a big deal. Like nine, eh, maybe, but ten, whatever. They. I remember one time too. Remember the Big Monday on ESPN? They'd always mm-hmm. have the whack game at midnight. Like it'd be like. Um, Super late, like like 10 p.m. basketball time or yeah. local time, not basketball time, mountain times. Like, just do it. Come on. Or you have like the 11 p.m. Big West basketball game on ESPNU or something local time to be on 2 a.m. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right, next game is your Fresno State Bulldogs traveling to Allegiant Stadium where there will probably be, I think, what, 2,000 fans are allowing to take on the Rebels. Fresno is a 11.5 point road favorite. When's the last time Bulldogs been that big of a road favorite on the road? Whew. It might have been. I mean, it might, it's probably been like a couple of years, I think. I would think. 20, Un- unless you're counting like, you know, their road game at New Mexico State last year. That counts. Were they a double digit favorite? I think so. I don't know. Not off the top of my head. Let's say yes. So not too long ago, I to make some grand gesture about this. Mm-hmm. CBS Sports Network. Uh, 1230 uh, local time there. And then you will be in Las Vegas Pacific time frame. So my biggest thing about this game is quarterback situation for Fresno State. Not that there's really a situation, but the way Jake Hayner turned around from week one to last week and what he'll do against a UNLV defense that, can we just be nice and say they're not very good, Matt? It's uh, It's been tough sledding in the first couple <laughs> weeks, I will say that much. Because currently Hayner has 600 total yards, four TDs in two games. Mm-hmm. I, I can see him getting like another 300-yard game easily against this Rebel defense. Yeah, and and he wasn't even the only one. Like Ben Woolridge came in for a couple of stints, and he looked pretty sharp. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I, it's it's ironic that their that Fresno State's quarterback situation, even though they're kind of doing something similar to what 
UNLV has done over the first couple weeks that it's worked out a lot better for them, interestingly. And I wonder if that's just comes down to familiarity with the system because, you know, Kalen DeBoer and, and, and Ryan Grubb, the Fresno State offense coordinator, I guess no secret they go way back. They've worked together at multiple stops. And so DeBoer coming back into the fold, keeping Grubb, letting him do his thing and really opening up the creativity in the offense, it it doesn't surprise me that it's been easier for them to incorporate some new wrinkles, you know, than it is for, for UNLV, which in a lot of respects is kind of starting over, you know, entirely new staff, a lot of new young players on both sides of the ball. And so you kind of have to feel for them, but I think it might be worth noting that, you know, their own quarterback performance, you know, they, they stuck with Max Gilliam a little more last week. Did they not? And it well, one like, moment, sorry, one moment, real quick. I just got a DM for a buddy inside and out army. Um, oh, never mind. I apologize. Um, you know, here's exactly what he said. He sent me a DM. Let me, um, blah, 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 apparently, army and air force. Okay. Um, he just mentions there's outbreaks on both sides, it looks like. Mm. And then I sorry, he just, I just noticed a DM from, but from uh, Forgotten Five, inside out army, in and out army on Twitter. Um, yeah, air, army and air force talking about canceling, which is obviously done. Um, partially it's all the academies essential because Navy already had their game postponed so mm. that's the last update on that sorry to interrupt but I'm like wait is this new I'm like oh crap I could have waited for that for a better pause break Matt to discuss but, <laughs> no, uh, it's fair, it's fair. but it's now break and so it looks to be obviously done like we said so sorry back to your point you mentioned you don't know the quarterbacks and Max, Max Gilliam being the guy it looks like he's the guy and and he did have a, a, a better performance in, in the second game than he did in the first game, which for sure, you know, if, if you're thinking about a couple of weeks ago when he took over or a couple of years ago, excuse me, when he took over for Armani Rogers, there was that similar kind of curve where, you know, it took him a couple of weeks to get up to speed, but you know, by, you know, three, four weeks in, it looked, he looked pretty good in, in helping the offense kind of pivot from one that was a little more run based to one that was a little more balanced. I think the big issue for UNLV and, and, you know, Fresno state did a really good job of resolving their own issue on this front a week ago against uh, Colorado state was creating big plays because one of the things that I think could really hinder the rebels in this game is the fact that, you know, through two games, Gilliam is only averaging 5.1 yards per attempt. And the Rebels, as a team, only have three pass plays of over 20 yards. And so when I look at this game, you know, I think, the, you know, Fresno State definitely looked much improved on defense uh, against the Rams last week. But, you know, if the Rebels have a capacity to soften them up with the run game and then attack them over the top with play action or something like that, they could surprise some people, but I think it really comes down to just generating more big plays. And kind of related to that is the question of, you know, if we know who, who the quarterback is going to be, you know, throwing it out there, who's going to be the guy coming down with it? Because now all of a sudden you look at the you look at the wide receiver core, and it's still a big question about you know who's going to create those big plays down the field because we know now that Randall Grimes, who was last year's leading receiver. You know, he's been suspended for the season for, mm-hmm. I think, violation of team rules. People um, are suspecting uh, marijuana use. Yeah. And so, you know, that's a big blow. And then, and then I think according to Tyler Bischoff, there were a couple of other receivers who also had opted out of the season. Um, the, I, I know the one name I recall is Makai Stevenson. Um, but, you know, the, the, the guys they have coming back. Tyler Collins is solid. Tyler Collins had a... Had a you know, a very promising freshman year two years ago. 
and then vanished last year and has been relatively quiet in the first couple of weeks, I think that he can be an impact player. You know, we saw Steve Jenkins be an impact player in the Fremont Cannon game last year, but there's still a lot of questions to be answered on that front about, you know, can they, can they do what is necessary in order to create separation in order to create opportunities for themselves to make those big plays? Because if they can't get it, then all that's going to mean is that the Bulldogs are going to focus on shutting down Charles Williams. And if they do that, they're toast. Yeah. Then they're toast. Yeah. Let me ask you a question. Do we need, do we need to eat a little corn Max Gilliam? Remember how he called us out? I didn't come to UNLV to be a backup. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Do we need to eat corn that? Or does he need to perform a bit better where we say, where we official make an official and formal apology. You know what? If he's listening, I'm going to say I stand corrected. You were right. I'd agree to a little bit because I'd have to, to a degree, like he's a starter. He started last year, a handful of games. Mm-hmm. He's a starter this year, pulling away from a group of three. So I'll, I'll do it. I'll say we're wrong. It's just, uh, you know, man, remember, Monty Rogers compared to Cam Newton. Remember, don't forget that. Yeah. Do I not mean, forget I think, that. <laughs> I mean, I think another thing that will help is the fact that they're finally getting Giovanni Paolo back uh, at tight end. He, he missed the first couple of games because of his role uh, in that same Fremont Cannon game last uh, November. Um, but he's back in the starting lineup. You know, he's listed with Noah Bean as an or. And so I think adding that element to the game, which was a, a kind of a sneaky productive element of their game last year, I think between the two of them, they had 44 receptions. And you know, that could help them soften up the, the Bulldogs over the middle, You know, really put a lot of pressure on, on guys like Aaron Mosby, like Lavelle Bailey, to be able to keep up with them in coverage. And also to be able to just line up in, you know, 12 personnel if they want to and just run the ball with Williams with the other guys in the backfield, Dylan Dowling, uh, Downing, excuse me. If that's the direction they want to go in, I think that now they might be better positioned to do that. But there's there's still a lot of questions. And I think what it really comes down to, like I said, is just getting more production from the wide receivers, because if they can't do that then it's going to be really hard for them to get anything else going. You're right, because it's not like um, – I don't want to compare UNLV to like an academy, but I would compare them more to San Diego State. Mm-hmm. Just think about the structure. Don't start yelling at me, people. Listen out. Listen to me. San Diego State doesn't need a quarterback to be amazing. They don't need Ryan Lindley to come back. They didn't need Jack Sears to come in and throw for 300 yards and two and a half touchdowns every game. What they need is a QB who – is like – if I'm being honest, like what would I say probably, Matt? 175 yards in the air, no picks and a touchdown. Something like that, about 60% passing, just above average. Like they might go at 9 of 14 for, or, you know, I mean, like 12 of 16, 150 yards, 180 yards. If they can do that, they just got to open up just enough for to make a play action be beneficial, to make Fresno be honest in guarding either tight ends, any pass catcher. Mm-hmm. But you're right, because if it's just Charles Williams, Fresno can play single coverage and bring seven, eight, nine guys into, into the box and just play one-on-one to whoever's outside and, or, or have one safety. Like, let's just say they do a two-receiver set. Fresno could have one safety and uh, two cornerbacks and be fine. Exactly. And then what's Charles Williams going to do? It's like he's stuck. But if they could open up a little bit, get the tight end involved, get just – it's like I also said in New Mexico years ago, have the threat of a passing game. If you have the threat, even if you are not doing extremely well throwing the ball, have the threat make and just make just enough plays. Even if you were to go 6 of 12 for 125 and no picks or 6 for like 115, that might not be enough, but that, that actually might be just enough to open things up a little bit where they're throwing enough to make Fresno honest or at least more honest. But mm. if he could be decent passing, 
Like, you don't have to be great, Max Sealing. Just be uh, an average quarterback and let your running back do the thing. Even if that's the case, I don't think it'll be enough, but that way it would be competitive where they could hold on to the ball more. Williams could, I could see him going off for 150 in this game if the passing game can um, just be marginally efficient. I mean, I think if Jilliam has the exact same stat line that he did last week against Nevada, but he does it on 30 attempts rather than 40 attempts, UNLV should be pretty competitive in this game. Why did he throw the ball 40 times? Jeez, come they, on. They fell behind. That's I why. know. I'm just saying, like, defense, help a guy out. <laughs> help a brother out there, defense. And that's the and that's the other thing, too, is, like, you know, we saw a little bit of progress on the, on the defensive side of the ball for the Rebels. But now all of a sudden they're facing an, another offense that, at least in the early going, looks just as explosive as, as the one they just faced. Um, you know, just in terms of you know long passing plays, you, you know Carson Strong right now is number one in the conference as far as twenty yard pass plays. Uh, and we mentioned this with regards to Nick Starkle last week, um, how he's number two, but the other guy who's number two is Jay Kaner. Not bad. And so I think that, you know, what you're starting to see from the Fresno State offense is, you know, a little more creativity, despite the fact that, you know, the running game has been a little sluggish in the early going, like on a per carry basis, they're actually dead last in the conference, which is a little bit of a surprise when you consider that, you know, you would expect Ronnie Rivers, you would expect a a healthy offensive line to be able to, to take care of business, but they haven't necessarily needed that like you know rivers is still averaging 4.2 yards per carry which is you know it's okay you know he's scored three times so he's still very clearly been uh a focal point of the offense but it's it's the fact that you know in two games you've already got what one two three four five six different guys with at least five receptions so they're finding ways to to spread the wealth around and you know, keep defenses from focusing on one guy or another. And that's really enabled, you know, the big play element to come out, like Carrick Wheatfall, who's got eight catches and he's averaging 20 yards a catch. You know, it's allowed the the running back screen, you know, running back flat routes to really thrive because, you know, Rivers has six mm-hmm. catches and he's averaging so far a career best 12.8 yards per catch. Mm-hmm. Jordan Mims is also averaging 11 yards a catch. Mm-hmm. So they've been very effective through the passing game. And when you consider that, you know, yeah, uh, some of the bigger names uh, of the opt-outs have been on the offensive side of the ball, it's also worth noting that Drew Tedgeman and, and Greg Francis, who were expected to be contributors in the defensive backfield for UNLV, both of those guys opted out too. And so there's, there's going to continue to be a lot of pressure, uh, especially on the freshman corners who've, you know, they've been up and down as I think you might expect freshman cornerbacks to be. Um, but, you know, how well they can contain, yeah, and I should probably mention the name, Sir Oliver Everett and Noel Williams, how well they can contain, you know, Wheatfall and Jalen Cropper and things like that could go a long way towards determining how long this game remains competitive. I'm going to say they're not going to do extremely well. But they may not have to because, like, well, you know, because UNLV's rush, like you mentioned that, the UNLV rush defense gives about six yards of carry. And so... I think Fresno can move the ball at will. I think um, you're right. Those freshman young guys are going to be tested early and often because you're right. Fresno and what um, Kalen DeBear is doing, like throwing the ball to everybody in his offensive play calling and grubs and what they're doing, like they can pick their they can pick what they want to do and have have no issues beating you on V. So because mm-hmm. the rest of isn't great, um, if you have young guys, it's like look what DeBoer's done like the past couple when he was at Fresno before even Indiana like getting that offense going. 
Like, he's going to find ways to exploit this team, the Rebels' defense. And from what we saw last week, I, I would expect another exponential improvement from Fresno State offense in the passing game specifically. Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't think it's realistic to expect that Fresno State's going to average 13 yards an attempt like, no. like Nevada did last mm-hmm. week. But, you know, if you average out what the Rebels have done against San Diego State and Nevada, so far it's it's nine, nine and a half yards per attempt. It's, you know, 63% completion rate. And, you know, if, if Hanger hits those marks, which I think is definitely within their own possibility, then it could be a long afternoon for them. Yeah, I could see that, like, that mixture is perfect because Aztecs right now are 5.8 per pass attempt. Nevada overall is 9.7. So I could see them, like, Fresno being in between. They're not as explosive as Nevada, but they're clearly more than San Diego State. Yeah. So, like, if they get to about, what, 9 possibly, 8.5 perhaps, like, Fresno's at 9.5 now, they they might be above that against UNLV, slightly above Mm -hmm. that, maybe not 13, but... If they stick to their average, that's fine. Like, I could see it. And plus, think of it too, the average increase from week one to week two. Like, if it's the same, it's a step back from last week. But overall, I just meant, like, not necessarily yards per play, but, like, his numbers, like, maybe passing yards, touchdowns due to opponent, and just playing overall better. But, like, what we already mentioned how UNLV can win and Fresno can win. Like, I, if UNLV is going to win, the defense clearly has to make turnovers and make plays. Charles Williams has to have, like, a huge game. And then Fresno needs to play more like week one than week two. And I think they need all of that to have it come together for a victory. I could see some of it. Like the most likely scenario is Charles Williams having a big game, but they have to go away and pass a bit more because they're down two touchdowns by halftime. Mm. And for Fresno State, for them to lose, like I said, well, the Williams thing, like for them to win, they can just be above average. They can be average and still win this game on offense. Yeah. So it would take more for what I'm basically the main point here, the final point. For first time to lose, they have to play a bad game, which is very simplistic, man. If you play bad, you're gonna lose. But that's my point. Like they they don't have to have they don't have to be on their game to get a victory here. Like mm-hmm. them playing poorly would maybe be winning by touchdown and not covering that line. Yeah. What do they advance metrics stand this one? So uh, Vegas Insider, I'm just gonna throw that out there in case we forgot to mention it. Uh, Fresno's currently an 11 point favorite. Uh, SP plus also favors the Bulldogs by roughly the same margin, actually, uh, 11.4. This is 74% win probability. FEI likes them a little bit less, but they still favor Fresno state by 8.4. All right. What's your pick? Uh, I'm going to take Fresno state to win this one pretty comfortably. I think UNLV should be able to move the ball at least a little bit on offense, but I don't think they have enough on defense to really contain them. So, I mean, I kind of see it unfolding pretty similarly to how last week's game against Nevada did. Um, I'm going to take the Bulldogs to win 31 to 20. You think they'll get 20 points? I think so. The over-under is kind of high at 58. That seemed a bit high for me because I don't think UNLV could score enough. And Fresno is not, like I said, used to say more to get as explosive as Nevada. But I think they can get to 35. I'm going to go like 35-13. All right. Like convincing victory, Matt. All right, before I move on to the final game, we need to discuss our buddies over at MyBookie. If you want to make some money this weekend, hedge your bets on your picks between us. Go with your gut, right, Matt? I don't know. You know that, <laughs> there you go. Don't yeah. always follow our picks for what we do, but you got the NFL this weekend, Mountain West. Just um, if you made an Air Force Army pick, figure out how to get a refund on that game because it's just not happening. So definitely look into that if you made a bet on that game. But again, we've got NFL, obviously college football going on right now over at MyBookie. Um, you got favorites, obviously Fresno State a favorite. 
underdogs Utah State plays t- today. They're a pretty big underdog. We talked about them. So also check out your parlays because who like who doesn't want the multiplier, Matt? You can go instead of winning, put ten bucks. Win say what fifteen on a game. Put ten bucks on eight eighteen parlay. You can win like multipliers. I don't know what that is. But that's a lot of money, right? You only live once. <laughs> you only live once. So eventually you hit that ten team parlay with eight bucks or ten te- whatever you want to do. But Check it out. Underdogs favorites. Every way to win. Player prop bets are an amazing way to go to do, to have a, some different type of fun. Because that's more like fantasy football, man. It's like, oh, I want my guy to get 85 yards kept receiving and two touchdowns. I'll take it. You can definitely do that. Futures, obviously game spreads, the prop bets. Over my bookie, if you use the code pro, use the, excuse me, let me, I guess say clear math to make sure they like it and accept this. Promo code OVERTIME. Again, OVERTIME to double your deposit. So definitely check that out. So you can get a head start. In case you do happen to have a sluggish start, but go use that code overtime at my book to sign up, and you'll be good to go. Final game of the weekend. Our favorite late-night Hawaii Warrior game. 85 degrees, sunny in the islands. It's on, what's the app called again? I don't have it in front of me. Is it Team One Sports? Uh, yeah, so the app is Team One Sports. Phew, uh, if, you, <laughs> if you look at our previews on mwire.com, you'll find all the links that you need in order to download it if you don't have it already. Um, if you're on the islands, it's on Spectrum Sports Pay-Per-View. Uh, but if you're anywhere on the mainland, uh, just make sure that you've got that app on hand. All right. One thing we need to get to definitely good info to know, but also New Mexico. Do you see where they hung out this week, Matt? I did. They hung out in Vegas. Vegas. Did you see him when you were in town? I did not. Oh, dang. You could have saw you could have saw a Rocky Long out there or Danny Gonzalez. So they're hanging out there in Vegas. We, I think we... I don't know if you and I discussed this. Me and Matt Wadley did on our recap for a moment. So they're hanging out in Vegas. Odds of them playing a home game seem very slim. They're going to be traveling around the country, probably based in Vegas. So that'll be quite difficult for them. So that's kind of a thing to look forward, look at while they're living out a suitcase, which could be why they're a 15.5-point underdog on the road. You know what I like about New Mexico? They have a passing game, it seems like. They do. When they throw with Tavaki Toyota, throwing, I, shoot, I know his numbers here. I should have that ready. But he had... Well over 200 yards. Like, for an offense that's typically stagnant and run-based, they actually look pretty decent throwing the ball, despite them losing last weekend. And look who Hawaii's played. Um, Nevada threw the ball well against them, not comparing the two, obviously. Wyoming Levi Williams had some decent success throwing the ball. So I think that could be a, way, a path for possibly to New Mexico to uh, make it close. And what's interesting to me is, like, and obviously small sample caveats apply, one game. Yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, one game. 294 uh, yards, excuse me, 294. So New Mexico's actually thrown the ball more often than Hawaii so far. What? Yeah. Don't believe it. Hawaii's <laughs> thrown the ball 44% of the time through their two games. Uh, New Mexico in their one game, which again, small sample caveat, uh, 48.7. It, you know what's interesting too? Shavon Cordero, I'm looking right now. I need to adjust my QB rankings. I'm putting them up today. He's not playing very well. He has no. Did you know he has no touchdown passes? I knew that he didn't have any against Fresno State, and I guess I should have guessed that he didn't have any at, uh, against <laughs> Wyoming last weekend. Yeah, no touchdown passes, 5.9 yards per attempt, only 54% passing. So, but I mean, to me, it's interesting that they've tried they've tried to emphasize the running game a little more often. Mm-hmm. So you know, even though he doesn't have any touchdowns to the air, it's worth noting that the running game, for the most part, you know, other than a really disastrous start against the, the Cowboys last weekend, they've been pretty solid. And Cordero's, you know, other than sack yardage, has been a pretty healthy part of that. You know, 
without adjusting for sacks, he's averaging 5.3 yards per carry. And the other three guys who have seen a significant amount of playing time so far, um, Day-Day Hunter is averaging four yards a carry. Uh, Calvin Turner is averaging almost seven yards a carry. And they're using him as kind of like a wildcat quarterback because I think he was a quarterback at Jacksonville before he transferred. Um, and then Miles Reed, of course, is averaging 5.8 yards per carry. So to me, you know, as long as they're going to be that explosive on the ground, it makes sense to keep that same kind of balance. Yeah. But I think for this game, what I'm interested in is to see whether they're tempted to switch it up or not. Because what we saw from the Lobos last week is that they've still got some work to do when it comes to defending the pass. Obviously, Nick Starkle had one of the best you know, games in the country anywhere yeah. last yeah. week. Player of the week, yeah. But, you know, another thing to keep in mind is that, you know, at least according to the depth chart that was put out by the Lobos, I think they're planning to get back some guys who did not play last week for whatever reason. Um, yeah, I think I may have mentioned it on the on the podcast. I know I mentioned it in the the preview that I wrote for the Spartans. Mm-hmm. But, you know, last week they had a true freshman starting at one of the one of the cornerback uh, spots. They had a true freshman at the Lobo spot. But this week they're getting back Michael Lovett, the third. They're getting back Tony Collier. They're getting back Nico Bolton. That's a trio of guys who I think they were expecting to be contributors all season long. And I think that that kind of bolsters their depth a little bit. Um, it gives them some guys who have, I would imagine, probably seen more playing time in practice, things mm-hmm. like that. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how much they improve now that they have these new their new old athletes back in the roles that they expected them to be in. So what? Do, how do you expect those roles to fluctuate are they gonna be they're good to go with making the changes or hard to say i mean <laughs> yeah because i mean last week it was rough and i think we expected it to be rough but maybe not maybe not to that degree but as you pointed out the fact that they haven't really been able to take advantage of that to this point is is something that's worth keeping an eye on with regards to hawaii you know and some of that had to do with the fact that they were buried really early last week with you know mental mistakes. They had five penalties in the first quarter mm-hmm. last week against Wyoming. Yeah, um, and their only completion in the first quarter went backwards for eight yards. Yeah, I saw I that. <laughs> I don't think you're going to see that again. I don't think you're going to see Rico Busey get shut out again. Yeah, because it wasn't for lack of effort trying to get him the ball that he had zero receptions. I mentioned so many overthrows. Like Cordier was, he had guys overthrowed open, but just could, he was just off that day. And mm-hmm. maybe this pressure, because I don't recall, kind of sped through the game on the Friday, the next morning, whatever, whatever morning it was, the next Saturday, I think, early AM. Like he had guys wide open, like he was just missing guys that could have made catches. Some catches, their coverage was good, but there is a handful I recall, maybe three to four that were, I don't know if it was um, whoever the receiver was, Rico or otherwise, but there were guys where he just wasn't on target and they were open yeah. downfield for what could have been big plays and turned that Hawaii game versus Wyoming. Yeah, I mean, I think another thing that will work out more in his favor this time around is the fact that, as we talked about last week with New Mexico, they still got a lot of work up front to create pressure more consistently, too. You know, they only had one sack against Starkle last week, and Hawaii's got an offensive line that has done a pretty good job in the early going of of keeping Cordero clean for the most part. Hard to say. <laughs> yeah, know, maybe, exactly. Maybe, maybe he'd been flustered a little more than than I think maybe people anticipated. But I imagine it's going to be a lot easier to face New Mexico's front six than it has been facing like Wyoming's 
defensive front, if that makes sense. So what can let's move to New Mexico then. What can we expect? Like, I think Hawaii will be fine. I think they'll improve what they did over the past game because level of competition is a big factor here where it will decrease um, quite a bit. Mm. So I think I would expect, like, Cordero to wrap up here. Like, he'll, they still want to brush him a little bit. Miles Rude should have a solid game. Um, the mix and match, how they're running and passing with quarterbacks and running backs. But I think Cordero should get to 60%. And I think I would put good money on him passing for at least his first touchdown of the year in this game. Mm-hmm. So I expect him to play. But look at New Mexico. Like I mentioned, they're gonna. Are they? Can we? Um, is it? We already mentioned the road bows. Yeah. Can we maybe bring back the throw bows as well? Maybe. Maybe. Maybe not yet. Because, like I said, they're they're a little more balanced, but they're not like in that Nevada stratosphere where they're throwing it sixty percent of the time. True. I I like because here's what I think they want. They want a running back though, because Toyota Toyota had over he led the team in rushing as well with what sixty nine yards. Mm-hmm. And all the he had three hundred what three fifty total offense. So he's the guy, and I like that he was the quarterback because he would have been it last year. I recall he went back to California. I think his uh, grandfather, I believe, or a family funeral. So mm-hmm. a lot of spring camp or fall camp didn't get to start right away. But he's been a guy around. Like remember, a freshman year came in and nearly led the Lobos to an upset or come from behind a victory to beat New Mexico State. So mm-hmm. they need somebody to run the ball. Bobby Cole had eight carries for forty yards. Give him more carries. Give Jordan Crest, give Devon, Devon Vigilant, give, or Davion Vigilant, give them more carries. Eight, or Bryson Carroll, come on, he only had eight carries. What are they doing here? They well, have they really, I mean, San Jose State did a pretty good job of bottling Carroll up, which is why, you know, and, and the fact that they had to rally for most of the game um, is probably a part of that equation, too. Like, I, I imagine if they get a lead, they're, they're going to be happy to, to use their committee of running backs as well as Tuioti to kind of keep True. the opponents off balance. But I think they but, still got to be more balanced. You can't just, like, really quick, the San Jose State game, they were down 21-7 early in the first half. It's like they weren't down huge outside of that. They were playing catch-up, but it's not like they were down, like, double digits until – that wasn't until late in the game. So I felt while San Jose State did a good job, they may have pulled away from the rushing game a touch early. Maybe, but I would also say that I think the fact that they had seven plays through the air of more than 20 yards is a pretty good sign if you're offensive coordinator Derek Wareheim. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> you know, and and I think that could be where this game is won or lost for the Lobos is their ability to keep creating big plays like that. And you mentioned Jordan Kress, who I knew that he was coming back to practice after recovering from COVID-19 over the offseason. I didn't expect him to come out and lead the team in targets right away. Like He only had three catches, but he, he had nine targets, which is a team high. Um, and Wareheim did some interesting things with them. Like he put him out wide on one play and then he would motion him into the backfield on another. You know, they'd have two people flanking Tuioti in the backfield while he was in the shotgun. So it was, it was, it was some, there were some interesting concepts that New Mexico was playing with in that game against San Jose state. And so I think he could be a potentially big factor you know, if he can get back to creating those same kinds of 20-yard plays that he did last year when he led the team in that regard. But even if he doesn't, you know, the guys around him in that offense, you know, like Andrew Erickson, I think, had, you know, two or three plays uh, of that same kind of capacity. So Hawaii's going to have to be mindful of that. Like, if if they want to roll Tuioti out and let him throw it down the field, you know, the guys in that Hawaii defensive backfield are going to have to be ready for it. And they're going to be doing it from here on out without Eugene Ford, who's going to miss the rest of the year with a leg injury. So that puts more pressure on you know Kai Kaneshiro because we know he can be a difference maker. He had three interceptions for this team last year, but he also 
missed the first half of that Wyoming game last week with a targeting penalty. So if they play disciplined, if they don't have any kind of coverage breakdowns or anything like that, they have enough talent, I think, to be able to maintain an upper hand. But it is definitely the kind of thing where it could go sideways if, you know, and, I, and it sounds cliche, but all it takes is one exactly. for them to really change the tenor of this game. Let me go back to one thing here. San Jose State threw the ball really well against New Mexico. Mm-hmm. New Mexico, I wonder if it's kind of the same thing. What, what's working, go with it, why go away from it? But I think we need to look at a bit of the uh, New Mexico rush defense. Like, they only, this includes sack yardage, all this. They had one sack in, their, in the loss to San Jose State. So mm-hmm. they're about pretty solid. They're under four yards per carry, like three and a half. So it's probably closer to maybe like 3.8 with the sack, the one sack. But like, mm-hmm. the leading rusher had only 31 yards. The longest rush was 10 yards. Yeah. So I know Spartans, Nick Starkle just threw his will, will against him and you go with what's working. But you still got to, I still want to give some credit to that Lobo defense and what Rocky Long is doing so far early on in one game to slow down. Not that we expected like Tyler Nevins to have a great game or Cree Robinson to do amazing, but I would have expected them to probably have do better, get over four yards per carry against the New Mexico defense that traditionally hasn't been great the past couple of years. They've been getting in touch better, but like they've been all over the map. They're not really great at anything. So there would have been mm-hmm. room to run the ball well. So like we look at the Hawaii rushing attack. If Shavon Cordero is not running like he did for Fresno State, which we'll see, he tried to last week, but like, can they slow down Miles Reed? I'm going to say Miles Reed is better than anybody the Spartans have, but it's an encouraging sign to see what New Mexico did stopping a rushing attack, even if it's not one that's high profile or expected to be what middle of the pack at best for San Jose State. It's still good to see a bad, like a team that's not very good. I don't want to say bad team, but a struggling team, a new coach to come in and. Play. Here's the thing: they they threw that they got thrown on it at will, but when it came to running the ball, they held their own and did extremely well, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I would agree with that, and and I think you look at the linebackers in particular. You know, you see that Brandon Shook had himself a pretty good game last week. He had ten tackles and a pass breakup. But I think if they're going to survive in this game, if they can get a little more disruption from the other linebackers in that unit, Devin Sanders and Cameron Miller, you know, that could make all the difference because they kind of got pushed around a little bit they weren't as disruptive you know, even though san jose state didn't necessarily go off on the ground New mexico didn't necessarily offer much resistance especially on early downs because i look at their their disparity right now between opportunity rate on defense and like stuff rate for example um you know their opportunity rate is is 98th in the country after one game you know 57.7 percent so they let san jose state get to the second level more often than not but at the same time, you know, they were, you know, they have a stop rate of about 19.2%. They have a power success rate that of 33%, which leads me to believe that they were having more success on later downs than on earlier downs. And if they can even that out a little bit, you know, Hawaii is going to be throwing their entire committee of backs at them. But I think that, you know, if they can stop that or at least limit it a little bit, put more pressure on Cordero to move the chains with his arms – then you know th- the way this game looks could be a lot different than how it looked for them last week. So what does um, advance number C for this game? Okay, so uh, SP Plus likes uh, Hawaii by 13.8. That's a 79% win probability. Uh, FBI also favors the Warriors by 12.6. And the official line, as of, again, this is now Thursday morning, is 15.5 in favor of Hawaii. 62.5 over under I 
Do you like the probability of getting over that, seeing all those points? I mean, I think it could happen. I think it, this kind of feels like a game where both offenses could could make some hay. I do too, because Hawaii's like, well, I mean, not to say they're a bad offense, but they're not a team that's likely going to score a ton of points. They put up 31. Yeah. Like, and so I think the over is in reach. Um, my pick, um, well, I need to delete my Air Force Army pick on the sheet now, so hold on a moment here. <laughs> um, we might have a um, we might need a we might have a fall guy situation here, Matt. Um, I my Google Doc. You go with your pick. My okay, Google Doc. Um, everybody, I'll spell your pick. You're picking Hawaii to win. Everybody's picking mm-hmm. Hawaii to win. Do we need somebody to go with New Mexico here? Everybody <laughs> <laughs> yeah. wants to be that brave. Yeah, I mean, I think this one's pretty clear cut, though. Yeah, I do think I I pick New Mexico to cover. Yeah, so did I. Um, whether it's 15 and a half or whether it's 16, which is where it is on Vegas Insiders, I think New Mexico will be able to put up enough of a fight on offense to cover. Um, but I would take Hawaii to win pretty comfortably. I had a 37 to 24. Yeah, I don't know if that much. I'm going to go like 30 to 30. Well, no, 30 to 13 doesn't cover. 30 to 16. Like, it'll be... Oh, no, that. wait, my mistake. No, that's right. No, I picked Hawaii. Oh, jeez. My doing the lines, I always get them backwards occasionally. I'm picking New Mexico to cover. See, so yes, my 30 to 16 pick is correct. It fits right in that window. That would be correct. There we go. I got math. We're done. Um, one last, actually, we're not done here. One last note on the Air Force Army game. It's been updated by Brett Bergman. Note obtained from their athletic director, Nathan Pine. 100% remote classes or online classes is happening as we speak. There, this is directly from Pine. We will suspend all practicing for a period of time starting Thursday, which is today, to coincide with 100% COVID testing and remote classes. Um, all team practices and lists will be on hold for a period of time in parentheses. Not sure what that will be, but right now that's until further notice. Facil- mm. All facilities will be closed to, for the cadets for that time as well. So this is, they're basically shutting down the academy. Where, serious question. Where do cadets go? It doesn't everybody like, basically live on campus. You just stuck in your dorms, I guess. I have no idea. Yeah. And so, um, he's basically saying we, gotta, we have to give ourselves a reset. So thank you for what you're doing now. Appreciate not easy time for our athletes. So I, which I've been to Colorado Springs. I've been to that at campus a couple, like twice, I believe. It's tucked away in the mountains. If you've ever seen the games on TV, Matt, like man, those spears mm-hmm. and spikes. So this is, um, is this going to be a multi-week thing? Could be. Because let's just put perspective real quick, or let's go with a high profile guy, Trevor Lawrence, Clemson. He was out for officially for 10 days, but it's where he can travel to face Notre Dame, but be a coach. Whatever that means. I think he's right on the cusp. I'm like, well, if he's negative enough, I guess that's fine. But the Mountain West, did they, I don't think they had a time frame for being out, did they? I don't recall now. But let's just put it this way. Today's Wednesday. Today's Thursday. Um, Air Force's next game. I'm trying to see here what the next game is. Do you have that in front of you? Uh, no, I don't have their schedule. Okay. I will check it up. So we are good here. But... Um, yeah, let's. Um, we'll look it up later, but it could be a two-week thing. But check us out, MWR.com. We'll get more info because I don't want to scramble and ramble, Matt, because that's dumb and lame and nobody wants to hear that. But <laughs> check out all the games on MWR.com, and we'll see you next time, folks.